What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome. Boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Time Out with. Uh, I already messed up. Fuck, I got it. What the fuck am I on? What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Time Out with Tony, your host, Tony. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got another another true crime episode. This time, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be going over the crimes, the life, and criminal career of the one, the infamous Richard Ramirez, also known as the Night Stalker, known for carrying out his crimes in the mid-80s all throughout California, murdering and raping and... Of course, stalking. Richard Ramirez is one of the rather more, uh, I'd say, disturbing serial killers in American history. Um, yeah, that's all I gotta say about this guy. Just pretty much anyone who murders is a bitch. Why murder others, man? Just murder yourself. You feel me? I'm joking. Before we get into today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, I want to take a quick minute and thank you guys so much for the support. It means a lot, really, so... Let's keep it up. Uh, no special announcements as of right now. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. It's Tuesday, isn't it? Sit back, relax, and crack open a beer, soda, and or water, folks. And we'll pay attention because this is the life and criminal career of Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker. be wondering who exactly is this Richard Ramirez if you never heard of him well Richard Ramirez was an American serial killer rapist kidnapper pedophile and burglar his highly publicized home invasion and murder crime spree terrorized the residents of the greater Los Angeles area and the residents of the San Francisco Bay Area from June of 1984 to August of 1985 Prior to his capture Ramirez was dubbed as the Valley intruder and the night stalker by the news media Using a variety of weapons, including handguns, knives, machete, a tire iron, and a hammer, as well as satanic imagery. Ramirez never expressed any remorse for his crimes, and the judge who upheld Ramirez's 19 death sentences remarked, remarked that his deeds exhibited cruelty, callousness, viciousness beyond any human understanding. End quote. Ramirez was convicted in 1985 of 13 counts of murder, 5 attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. He died of complications from B-cell lymphoma while awaiting execution on California's death row. Now, every serial killer has a beginning. What's this, guys? Well, let's take a look. Richard Ramirez, born in El Paso, Texas, on February 29, 1960. He was the youngest of Julian and Mercedes Ramirez's five children. His father, Julian, a Mexican national and former Ciudad Juarez policeman, who later became a laborer in the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway, was prone to fits of anger, and that often resulted in physical abuse. 
Ouch. As a 12-year-old, Richard, or as he was known then as Richie, was strongly influenced by his other older cousin, Miguel Ramirez, or as they called him, Mike. Mike here was a decorated Green Beret combat veteran who often boasted of his gruesome exploits and abuses during the Vietnam War. He even shared photos of his victims, including the Vietnamese women, women he had raped. In some of the photos, Mike posed with, severed, with a severed head of a woman he had abused. Richard, who had begun smoking marijuana at the age of 10, bonded with Mike over joints and gory war stories. Mike even taught his young cousin some of his military skills, such as killing with stuff. It was around that time that young Richie began to seek escape from his father's violent temper by sleeping in a local cemetery. Young Richie was even present on May 4, 1973, when his older cousin Mike fatally shot his wife, Jessie, in the face during a domestic argument. After the shooting, Richie became sullen and withdrawn from his family and peers. It was later that year that Richie moved in with his older sister, Ruth, and her husband, Roberto, an obsessive peeping Tom who took Richie along with his, on his nocturnal exploits. It was also at the same time that Richie began using LSD and cultivated an interest in Satanism. Mike was not found of was found guilty was not found guilty sorry of Jesse's murder by reason of insanity and was released in 19, 1977 after 4 years of incarceration at the Texas State Mental Hospital. His influence over young Richie continued. The adolescent Ramirez began to meld his burgeoning sexual fantasies with violence including forced bondage and rape. While still in school, he took a job at a local Holiday Inn where he used his passkey to rob sleeping patrons. His employment ended abruptly after Ramirez attempted to rape a woman in her own hotel room before her husband returned to find them. Although the husband beat Ramirez senseless at the scene, the criminal charges were dropped when the couple, who lived out of state, declined to return to testify against them. Ramirez went on to drop out of Jefferson High in the ninth grade. At the age of 22, he moved to California, where he would go on to settle permanently. It's possible that Ramirez could have committed murders back in his hometown of El Paso, Texas, but nothing is confirmed. His first known murder is to have taken place on April 10th, 1984, when Ramirez murdered a nine-year-old Chinese-American named Mei Luing. Mei Luing. I don't know. I actually don't know. It was in the basement of the hotel where he was living in the ten Tenderloin district of San Francisco. It is said that he raped and beat the girl before stabbing her to death and hanging her body from a pipe. This is Ramirez's known first, first known killing and was not identified as being connected to the subsequent crime spree until 2009 where Ramirez's DNA was matched to a sample obtained at this crime scene. In 2016, officials disclosed the evidence of a second suspect identified through a DNA sample retrieved from the scene who was believed to have been present at the Luang murder. Authorities have not publicly identified the suspect described as being a juvenile at the time and have not brought charges due to the lack of evidence. His next murder is known to have taken place on June 28, 1984, when 79-year-old Jenny Vinco was, was found brutally murdered in her apartment in Glassell Park in Los Angeles. She had been stabbed repeatedly while asleep in her bed and throat slashed so deeply that she was nearly decapacitated. Ramirez's foot fingerprint was found on a mesh screen when he removed he removed to gain access through an open window his next known crime 
took place almost a year later on March 17, 1985, when Ramirez attacked 22-year-old Maria Hernandez outside her home in Rosemead, California. He shot her in the face with a 22 caliber handgun after she pulled into her garage. She survived the bullet when it ricocheted off the keys she held into her hands as she lifted them to protect herself. Inside the house, her roommate, Dale Yoshi Okazaki, age 34, heard the gunshot, ducked behind a counter when she saw Ramirez into the kitchen. When she raised her head, he shot her once in the forehead, killing her instantly. Within an hour of the Rosemead home invasion, Ramirez pulled up to 30-year-old Sai Lian Yu, or as she was known as Veronica, out of her car in Monterey Park and shot her twice with a 22 caliber handgun and fled. She was pronounced dead upon arrival at the hospital. The two murders and attempted third in a single day attracted extensive coverage from news media who dubbed the attacker described as curly hair with bludgeoning eyes and white space rotten teeth, the walk-in killer and the valley intruder. On March 27, 1985, Ramirez entered a home that he had burglarized a year earlier just outside of Whittier, California at approximately 2 a.m. and killed the sleeping Vincent Charles Azara, age 64, with a gunshot wound to his head from a 22 caliber handgun. Zazara's wife, Maxine Levinia Zazara, aged 44 at the time, was awakened by the gunshot and Ramirez beat her and bound her hands while demanding to know where the valley boobs were. While he ransacked the room, Maxine escaped her bonds and retrieved a shotgun from under the bed, which was not loaded. He infuriated Ramirez, shot her three times with a 22, then fetched a large carving knife from the kitchen. He mutilated her body by stabbing her several times, gouged out her eyes, and placed them in a jewelry box, which he left with. The autopsy determined that the mutilations were post-mortem. Vincent and Maxine's bodies burnt, discovered by his son, Peter. Ramirez left footprints from a pair of Avia sneakers in the flower beds, which the police photographed and then cast. This was virtually the only evidence the police had at the time. Bullets were found at the scene were matched to those found in previous attacks, and the police determined that a serial killer was at large. Two months later, on May 14, 1985, Ramirez returned to Monterey Park and entered the home of Bill Doy, age 66, and his disabled wife, Lillian, age 56. Surprising Doy in his bedroom, Ramirez shot him in the face with a 22 semi-automatic pistol as Doy went for his own handgun. After beating the mortally wounded man into unconsciousness, Ramirez entered Lillian's bedroom, bound her with thumb cuffs, then raped her after he had ransacked the home for valuables. Bill Doy died of his injuries while in the hospital. On May 29, 1985, Ramirez drove a stolen car to Monrovia and stopped at the house of Mabel Bell, or she was known as Ma. Age 83, she was with her disabled sister, Florence Lang, or she was known as Nettie, who was aged 81. Finding a hammer in the kitchen, he bludgeoned and bound Lang in her bedroom, then bound and bludgeoned Bell before using an electrical cord to shock the woman. After raping Lang, he used Bell's lipstick to draw a satanic pentagram symbol on her thigh as well as on the walls of both bedrooms. The women weren't found until two days later when they were alive and but comatose. Bo went on to die of her injuries. The next day, Ramirez drove the same car to Burbank and sneaked into the home of Carol Kyle, aged 42. At gunpoint, he bound Kyle and her 11-year-old son with handcuffs, then went on to ransack the home. He released Kyle to direct him where the family's valuables were, then he raised her repeatedly. Ramirez also repeatedly ordered her not to look at him, telling her at one point that he would cut her eyes out. 
He fled the scene after retrieving the child from a closet and binding the two together again with handcuffs. On the night of July 2nd, 1985, he drove yet another stolen car to Arcadia and randomly selected the house of Mary Louise Kenny, age 75. She was a widow grandmother. After quietly entering Kenny's home, he found her asleep in the bedroom. He blundered her into unconsciousness with a lamp and then repeatedly stabbed her using a 10-inch butcher knife from her kitchen. She was found dead at the scene. On July 5th, 1985, Ramirez went on to break into yet another home in Sierra Madre and bludgeoned 16-year-old Whitney Bennett with a tire iron as she slept in her bedroom. After searching in vain for a knife in the kitchen, Ramirez attempted to strangle the girl with a telephone cord. He stated that he startled to see electric sparks emanate, emanate from the cord. And when his victim began to breathe, he fled the house, believing that Jesus Christ had intervened and saved her. Bennett went on to save, survive the savage beating, although 478 stitches were required to close lacerations to her scalp. Two days later, on July 7, 1985, Ramirez burglarized the home of Joyce Lucille Nelson, who was age 60 in Monterey Park. Finding her asleep on her living room couch, he beat her to death by using his fists and then kicking her in the head. A shoe print from an Avia sneaker was left imprinted on her face. After cruising two other neighborhoods, she returned to Monterey Park and chose the home of Sovi Dickman, age 63. Ramirez assaulted and handcuffed Dickman at gunpoint and then attempted to rape her and stole her jewelry when she swore to him that he had ever taken everything of valuable value. He told her to swear to Satan. On July 20th, 1985, Ramirez purchased a machete before driving a stolen Toyota to Glendale, California. There, he chose the home of Lila Kinney, age 66, and her husband, Maxon, age 68. He burst into the sleeping couple's bedroom and hacked them with a machete. He then killed them with shots to the head from a 22 caliber handgun. He further mutilated their bodies with a machete before robbing the house of valuables. After quickly fencing the stolen items from the needing residents, Ramirez went on to drive to Sun Valley. At approximately 4.15 a.m., he broke into the home of the Kovanath family. He shot the sleeping Chirong Kovanath in the head with a 25 caliber handgun, killing him instantly. He then raped and beat some kid Kovanath. He then bound the couple's eight-year-old son before dragging some kid around the house to reveal the location of any valuable items, which he then stole. During his assault, he demanded that she swear to Satan and that she was not hiding any money from him. On August 6th, 1985, Ramirez drove to Northridge, California and broke into the home of Chris and Virginia Peterson. He crept into the bedroom, startled Virginia, who was age 27, and shot her in the face with a 25 caliber semi-automatic handgun. He then shot Chris in the neck and attempted to flee. Chris fought back while avoiding being hit by two more shots during the struggle before Ramirez escaped, and the couple went on to fortunately survive their injuries. On August 8, 1985, Ramirez drove a stolen car to Diamond Bar, California and chose the home of Sakina Abawath, age 27, and her husband Elias Abawath, age 31. Sometime after 2.30 a.m., he entered the house and went into the master bedroom. He instantly killed the other sleeping Elias with a shot to the head from a 25 caliber handgun. He then handcuffed and beat Sakina while forcing her to reveal the locations of the family's jewelry and then brutally raped her. 
He repeatedly demanded that she swear on Satan and that she would not scream during his assaults. When the couple's three-year-old son entered the bedroom, Ramirez tied the child up and then continued to rape Sakina. After Ramirez left the home, Sakina untied her son and sent him to the neighbors for the help. Ramirez, who had been following the media coverage for his crimes, left Los Angeles and headed to San Francisco. There, on August 18, 1985, he entered the home of Peter and Barbara Penn. He shot the sleeping Peter at age 66 in the temple with a 25 caliber handgun. He then beat and sexually assaulted Barbara, age 62, before shooting her in the head and leaving her for dead. At the crime scene, Ramirez used the lipstick to scrawly pentagram and the face jacked the knife on the bedroom wall. Ramirez again left a shoe print at the scene that detectives discovered and matched to a specific Avia shoe. Upon discovery of the mate and the U.S. distribution of Ramirez's Avia shoes, it was found that only six of them existed in the size 11 and a half. With five of them being shipped to Arizona, it was evident that one pair of its size and kind belonged to Richard. When it was discovered that the ballistics and shoe print evidence from Los Angeles from the Los Angeles crime scene match the pan crime scene, San Francisco's then mayor Diane Feinstein divulged information including the gun caliber in a televised press conference. The leak infuriated detectives in the case as they knew that the killer would be following the media coverage, which gave him an opportunity to destroy crucial forensic evidence. Ramirez, who had been indeed watching the press, dropped his size 11.5 avia sneakers over the side of the Golden Gate Bridge that same night. He remained in the area for a few more days before heading back to the Los Angeles area. On August 24, 1985, Ramirez traveled 76 miles of north of Los Angeles, I mean, sorry, of south of Los Angeles, and a stolen Toyota to Mission Viejo. That night, he arrived at the home of James Romero Jr., who had just returned from a family vacation to Rosarito Beach in Tijuana, Mexico. Ramirez's son, 13-year-old James Murrow III, happened to be awake and heard Ramirez's footsteps outside the house. Thinking there was a prowler, James went in to wake his parents and Ramirez fled the scene. James raced outside and noted that the color, the make, and style of the car, as well as the partial license plate number. Romero contacted the police for this information, believing that James had chased away a thief. After his encounter, Ramirez broke into the house of Bill Corrent, age 30, and his fiancée, Inez Erickson. Age 29 through a back door. Ramirez entered the sleeping couple's bedroom and awakened Carnes when he knocked when he cocked his 25 caliber handgun. He shot Carnes three times in the head before turning his attention to Erickson. Ramirez told her that he was a night stalker and forced her to swear that she loved Satan as he beat her with his fist and bound her with neckties from the closet. After stealing what he could find, Ramirez dragged Erickson to another room before raping her. He demanded cash and more jewelry and made her swear on Satan that there was no more. Before leaving the home, Ramirez told Erickson, quote, tell him the Night Stalker was here, end quote. Erickson untied herself and went to a neighbor's house to get, her to get help for her severely injured fiance. Surgeons removed two of the bullets from his head and he went on to fortunately survive the attack. Erickson went on to give a detailed description of the assailant to the investigators and police obtained a cast of Ramirez's footprint from the Romero household. The stolen car was found abandoned on August 28th in Wilshire Center, Los Angeles and obtained a single fingerprint from the rearview mirror despite Ramirez's careful attempts to wipe the car clean of his prints. The print was possibly identified 
as belonging to Ramirez, who was described as a 25-year-old drifter from Texas with a long rap sheet that included many arrests for traffic and illegal drug violations. A day later, on August 29th, the law enforcement officials decided to release a mugshot of Ramirez from a 1984 arrest for auto theft to the media, and the Night Stalker finally had a face. At the police conference, it was announced, quote, we know who you are now, and soon everyone else will. There will be no place you can hide, end quote. The next day on August 30th, 1985, Ramirez took a bus to Tucson, Arizona to visit his brother, unaware that he had become the lead story in virtually every major, major newspaper and television news program across California. After failing to meet his brother, he returned to Los Angeles early on the morning of August 31st, where he walked past police officers who were staking out the bus terminal in hopes of catching the killer, should he attempt to flee on an outbound bus and into a convenience store in East L.A., after noticing a group of elderly Mexican women fearfully identifying him as El Matador, which is Spanish for the killer, Ramirez saw his face on the front pages on the newspaper rack and fled store in a panic. After running across the Santana freeway, he attempted to carjack a woman but was chased away by bystanders who pursued him. After hope hopping over several fences and attempting two more carjackings, he was eventually subdued by a group of residents, one of whom had struck him over the head with a metal bar in pursuit. The group held down Ramirez and relentlessly beat him until the police arrived and took him into custody. Jury selection for the trial didn't begin until almost three years later, on July 22nd, 1988. At his first court appearance, Ramirez raised his hand with a pentagram drawn on it and yelled, Hail Satan! On August 3rd, 1988, the Los Angeles Times reported that some jail employees overheard Ramirez planning to shoot the prosecutor with a gun which Ramirez intended to have smuggled into the courtroom. Consequently, a metal detector was installed outside and intensive searches were conducted on people entering. Eleven days later, on August 14th, the trial was interrupted because one of the jurors, Phyllis Singletary, did not arrive at the courtroom. It was later learned that day that she was found shot to death in her apartment, and the jury was terrified, wondering if Ramirez somehow directed this event from inside his prison cell, and whether or not he could reach the other jurors. However, it was done later then determined that Ramirez was not responsible for Singletary's death. She was instead shot and killed by her boyfriend, who would later go on to commit suicide with the same weapon at a hotel later that day. The alternate juror who replaced Singletary was too frightened to even return to her home. On September 20, 1989, Ramirez was convicted of all charges, 13 counts of murder, 5 attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, 14 burglaries. During the penalty phase on the trial on November 7, 1985, he was sentenced to die in California's gas chamber. He stated to reporters that after the death sentence, he said, quote, Big deal. Death always went with the territory. See you in Disneyland. End quote. The trial went on to cost $1.8 million, which at the time made it the most expensive in California history, until it was later then surprised by the 1994 murder case, O.J. Simpson. By the time of the trial, Ramirez even had fans who were writing to him in letters and paying him visits. Beginning in 1985, Doreen Leoy wrote to him nearly 75 letters during his time of incarceration, and in 1998, Ramirez proposed to Leoy, and on October 3rd, 1996, they were married in California's San Quentin State Prison. For many years before Ramirez's death, Leoy stated that she would commit suicide whenever Ramirez was executed. 
However, Leroy eventually left Ramirez in 2009 after DNA confirmed that he had raped and murdered the nine-year-old Asian girl. By the time of his death in 2013, Ramirez was engaged to Christine Lee, a 23-year-old writer. On August 7, 2006, Ramirez's first round of state appeals ended unsuccessfully when the California Supreme Court upheld his convictions and death sentence. On September 7, 2006, the California Supreme Court denied his request for a rehearing. Ramirez had additional appeals pending until the time of his death. Now, it is said that psychiatrist Michael A. Stone describes Ramirez as a made psychopath as opposed to a born psychopath. He says that Ramirez's schizoid personality disorder contributed to his indifference to the suffering of his victims and his untreatability. Stone also said that Ramirez was knocked unconscious and almost died on multiple occasions before he was six years old, and as a result, later developed temporal lobe epilepsy, aggressivity, and hypersexuality. Now, as it turns out, like I said before, Ramirez was awaiting death row at the time of his death. And he died of complications secondary to B-cell lymphoma at Marin General Hospital in Greenbury, California on June 7th, 2013. He had also been affected by chronic substance abuse and chronic hepatitis C viral infection. At only 53 years old, he had been on death row for more than 23 years. By some estimates, he would have been in his early 70s before his execution was carried out due to California lengthy, California's lengthy appeals process. In the end, Richard Ramirez was known for one thing and one thing only, being a Night Stalker. And, well, I just thank God that he's off the streets. And, well, ladies and gentlemen, this pretty much concludes our episode. Let me know what you guys think of this guy. I know he's got to be terrifying. If you've seen pictures of this guy, it's really just, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, let me know what you think of this. Um... Once again, thank you guys so much for the support. It means a lot, really. So spread out the word, all that kind of stuff. Tell everybody. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys all so much for watching. Stay safe. Check those corners. And uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. See you. Take care. Goodbye.